0: to the Neo Jai Chuan Podcast. My name is Isaac Cayman's. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, Qigong and Meditation. Uh, in this episode we continue our discussion of the Wu style of Tai Chi. Uh, we look at uh, we look at Bruce Francis's power of internal martial arts for his version of Wu Zhen Chuan's uh, history and his uh, connection to the Yang family. Um In the extended episode, we discuss uh, large and small frames in great detail, and then also uh, go into our own little bit of history of training um, with Bruce in the Wu style. Then we move over to the Tai Chi classics. Uh, We look at the phrase, uh, stand like a scale, balance like a wheel. Uh, We get into a big, long discussion of uh, double-weightedness, which is a Pretty complicated concept in Tai Chi, uh, as well as the concept of empty and full. And then we get into a longer discussion about um, the training in different styles and uh, different schools of Tai Chi and the similarities and the differences, et cetera. All right. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support and take care of yourselves.
1: In today's episode, we're going to continue our look at Wu style Tai Chi trend and the various. Folks that have been involved in it over the years, especially Chen Yu, the founder, and Wu Chen, the popularizer of the style. So I thought I'd start with a piece from The Power of Internal Martial Arts by E.K. Francis, where he talks about the history um, as he heard it. So during the time that Yang Lu Chan taught the Emperor's Guards, he had three top students. And this is something we've heard a couple of times, right? There's always these three top students who uh, represent different powers of Tai Chi, and each story is slightly different.
0: Right, there's the hard, the soft, and the chain. Pretty the,
1: much, the chain. yeah. But everyone has their little take on it. So he has he here, says, uh Wang Chun was the most proficient with hard energy. Ling Shan, the best at using soft energy. And Chen Yu, the most adept at transforming energy, the highest level of Tai Chi. After right. the fall so, of Yeah, sorry. It
0: that sounds was, like those first two guys didn't really go on to teach afterwards like that they just kind of faded away they weren't you know right they were palace uh, yeah. guards they weren't tai chi, right teachers. right
1: exactly They're, that was their job was being you know working for the emperor not like going out and popularizing tai chi yeah yeah which is uh you know i think there's we've we've stumbled across lots of stories of guys whose name get mentioned but you know their style is either fizzled out, or it's just in some small groups and family groups out there somewhere who don't publish much in English on the topic. It's right. sort of invisible in the public eye, in, in the way that Wu Jianren then became
0: huge in the public eye, right? And in these guys' case, I think it was you know they learned martial arts to do it as a guard, and they as a job yeah. probably stayed there and you know as long as they could,
1: right? And then take their pension and split. They're not a yeah. uh, and even. You know, back in the day of Yang Luchan, Tai Chi may have first its name was getting out, but it hadn't become something that the average Joe was doing right till much later. But yeah, there's the three different guys. There's and uh, from there, he says that uh, after the fall of the Manchu Qing Dynasty, uh, Yang Student Chen Yu's family changed their Manchurian name to the Chinese name of Wu to be more politically in tune with the times. Chuan Yu's method of tai chi is still taught in Beijing although not very widely as he was primarily a working rather than a teaching martial artist. Um so that like there as you said Chuan Yu himself was more of a palace guard than a popularizer it was his son that went out and did a lot of the teaching. Yeah. And same with Yang Lu Chan <clears throat> the founder right.
0: Exactly right it's the second generation third generation that takes it out of the palace if you will.
1: Right right. He says here Chuan Yu passed all his knowledge onto his son jian chen who also learned from yang lu chan's son banho teacher of many of the better tai chi fighters to emerge in the early part of the 20th century so just thinking about that there's there's the founder of tai chi yang lu chan Ch- Yu is sometimes presented as his kind of right hand man they're kind of like buds like they're the main guys and then the son of yang lu chan and the son of Tren Yu then be also collaborate
0: mhm right i remember last time we talked about that the he, he couldn't young luchan couldn't make truño a disciple because uh, then he would have put him on the equal footing with the emperor which was right not, you know okay so he had to it had to be his son who took him on as a disciple mm,
1: right right yeah interesting yeah so there's a lot of connections there and, and once again the name banho comes up young He's the toughest, the most fightingest of the early Tai Chi generation. Yeah. And here, again, he says, the the early Tai Chi fighters were, were trained by Banho. So the son of Tren Yu is uh, Wu Jinchun. Wu Jinchun taught, along with the Yang family members, at their association in Beijing. Before both he and Yang Chengfu left Beijing to spread Tai Chi to Shanghai and southern China. Um, so that's interesting. It sounds like so in Beijing. So Wu Jianchuan grows up in Beijing with alongside the Yang family members and is, is a teacher at their school.
0: Yeah, they had a school together for a short time. Mm. We- and
1: so that's that early Wu style that's that's founded in Beijing. And then, uh, so then they both around the same time period start heading out to uh, Shanghai and Southern China. Um, and I I forget where I read it. It was a story of like there was this feeling that Wu Jintun was going out and like teaching and establishing a school, and then like Yang Cheng Fu was moving in right behind him, and maybe like riding off of his efforts. Then Yang Cheng Fu was showing up and scooping up all kinds of students because Wu had already gotten it going. I, I, I could have sworn that was a James Wing Wu story. It but happened, I, yeah. But you know, it it sounded like at that point the schools were sort of branding themselves separately so yeah clearly they're starting to split um wu however was almost 20 years older than yang Cheng fu and more immersed in the martial way of the old yang style that's interesting um so wu jianquan is quite a bit older than than yang Cheng fu although i think yang Cheng fu dies fairly young so maybe the sense is that they pass away and somewhere in the same era in the 30s i think so um there I think of them as being the same time period, but they aren't necessarily you know well they, like mean, they, were, older.
0: they were contemporaries right. and they were teaching at the same time, but that doesn't, you know. But
1: I mean, Yang Cheng is more the student and Yang and Wu Jian Chen is more the teacher.
0: Well Wu is more the age of Yang's uncle or yeah you know, older brother, not you know, kind of thing. Well, that's
1: kind of interesting because like Yang Banho is kind of the badass of the previous generation. But then the next generation Wu Jianchun is kind of more the the uh, enforcer, so it switches sides kind of at that point. Well,
0: right? I think, but the, yeah, I I don't think there were sides yet. Mm. I mean, there wasn't Yang and Wu styles yet. Sure. There was, you know, different guys doing stuff that they well in Beijing. Using.
1: Wu Jianchun's teaching a class, and Yang Chengfu's Fu's a teenager in that class, probably.
0: Yeah, but he wasn't Wu. wasn't calling what he did Wu style Tai Chi right. at that point. He was mm. calling what he did, you know, pretty much Yang tai chi Luchan's
1: martial
0: art. art, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just probably calling it Tai Chi, and everybody knew that man. That lineage came from Yang Luchan. There hadn't been. It's just like with Bagua. There hadn't been a split right. yet, you know.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to compare it to Bagua because it's kind of happening in the same time frame. Like the founders of both the martial arts were guys in beijing who worked for the emperor who died in the late 1800s and then their schools come out of that and go through that process of differentiating school splitting apart bagua probably splits apart sooner because it's not like a family style
0: the yeah. way yang
1: is yang you know yang stays together longer perhaps but
0: well you know, yeah they go through I the think, process i think one of the things that makes bagua unique is that <clears throat> from Deng the chuan Buchanan- didn't have a son yeah, from the beginning, it wasn't about a hereditary mm-hmm. thing. It was about a. He's know,
1: a eunuch. He can't. Have yeah.
0: A right. So, with which is but, odd.
1: Do you know any other martial arts that are made by eunuchs? I don't know. I'm uh, sure we must have talked about it then, but
0: but that, but you know, but that's kind of where with with the with Tai Chi, you, you had you know it was. In a sense, it was the same thing because you you ha- you eventually get to a hereditary line, but initially right. it was this it was the you know it was the military thing of right. He's, he's a guard, you know. He's teaching a bunch of guards, so he probably right. had who knows hundreds of students in, while he was employed as a guard, you know, a, a palace guard or whatever, and then. Yeah. You know, so each one of those guys who potentially could have gone off and started his own style of Tai Chi, but I think the vast majority of them didn't, and you Mm -hmm. know, Wu was one of the few that did. And so, it like, you know, eventually that just they're like, well, we do it slightly different. Why don't we give it a different name so people stop thinking that we're doing the same thing? You know, so right, and you got to try to, you know, it's your money
1: in your pocket, not in the other guy's pocket.
0: Right, but I mean it happens now with companies all the time. oh yeah, you know, um it's like well in order.
1: martial arts the same way, yeah. All right, so next sense on many occasions both Wu and Yang Cheng Fu did their Tai Chi forms together in demonstrations. And it has often been said that Wu sharpened Yang Cheng Fu's skills at push hands when they were together in Shanghai. <laughs> so it sounds like they're still rolling together quite a bit, like they're pu- they're on the same stage demoing. That's pretty cool. And then showing thai, uh, push hands together. So it sounds like Wu is the superior uh, push hand skill there.
0: Well, again, it goes back to being, you know, 20 years older.
1: Right. So now he says that Wu twin became more involved with the small movement side of Tai Chi rather than the large and medium movement method of Yang Qing Fu. The four movements Wu himself taught are basically the same as the modern Yang Qing Fu form, as both of them collaborated. However, because the form is a small movement style, its movements are more compact. And because it derived from the old yang style, it holds much of the old knowledge of fighting applications, with a strong stress on throwing techniques. Editor's note, the author learned this method from his teacher Liu Hongjie, who lived and studied with Wu Chen.
0: Right, so that's basically saying, you know, that they are... It, when he says they're the same form it's it's the same sequence of movements right, right? i mean you look at right. The, Pong
1: goes first grass the yeah. bird's tail
0: right if you look at the lists you know if you take two like written lists of the movements they're going to basically be the same you know Same it, order it, yeah the, the way you do them is a little different but like yeah you, know, exactly. you can you can you know if you do one uh you know if you know a young, long form it's not going to take you long, very long, to plug in the movements of the Wu and vice right. versa, right? You can it's follow just like, a
1: Wu class pretty well and keep up, yeah. Because
0: you can go, okay, well, you know, it's it's like learning, I don't know, it's like learning an alphabet or something. It's
1: cursive and regular, maybe. I there you go. Yeah, <laughs> they're in the same order, but they look a little odd. Mm-hmm. And so, the, this begins that discussion. Well, we've talked about it quite a few times of the small versus large frames and so on. And I haven't studied Wu style extensively, but the few teachers I have visited with, and I've trained it with you a bunch and Kumar, it does have the way it is done with like much smaller movements. Um, You don't reach as far out. You don't shift forward as much. A lot of postures that are done forward-weighted in Yang are done back-weighted in Wu. And there's just a smaller size to the shape of the form itself and the applications.
0: Yeah, I mean there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of differences it's like <clears throat> uh, essentially you have um large frame outside small frame inside so you can do like what Leo hong J was doing was not the typical wu style he he did from a wu style perspective mm. an extremely extended thing he was not his postures were not close well, to his body. I mean,
1: could I argue a little bit that when you look at like there's a famous picture of Leo doing single whip, it looks a lot like Wu Jian Chen's single whip. You're squatting way down, sticking your arms way out. I mean, way they both out.
0: have right. a
1: long stance.
0: That's I not I mean their
1: arms stick way out their body. I'm just saying they look the same. He looks the same as Wu Jian Chen and in, in, in that certain posture.
0: postures, but 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 how he
1: gets to him, is that the difference?
0: It's the overall kind of body structure. Like most things that Leo Hung Jay did, they weren't exactly the the um, <clears throat>
1: <norm. laughs> way everybody else did it. You know, sure. uh,
0: one theory that I heard is that part of that was because you know Leo Hung Jay didn't start doing Tai Chi till after he did Bagua for forty years, and um, he also came from I think it was thirteen generations of doctors, right? So he had this incredible knowledge of physical movement and martial application and all of this medical stuff um about how to use negong and and stuff like that to heal so he put all that into this wu style and all also all the meditation stuff that he learned from uh Jubao Jin and other people in magui for the meditation in magua put all that in there and you know so this thing that he sort of gave to Bruce at the end of his life that he called the Wu style was really an amalgamation of a Mm. lot of things that he put into this right but but it was his
1: masterpiece
0: yeah but I mean his movements are you know different and Mm. and Bruce has adapted has changed it over the years to be you know very different from what it was you know in the late 80s early 90s compared to you know now but that's just how things go, you know, but, but it is sure. that compared, I mean, the only Yang style I've done is the Chen Man Ching stuff. So that's not really a great example either. Cause that's also a, a, a you know, an, a bit of a black sheep, right? I mean, cause right. essentially what Chen Man Ching is doing is he's doing a Yang style, but he's using that same kind of smaller frame yeah
1: yeah it's got that ultra the, up, soft, in the upper body small bo- yeah upper body
0: super limp yeah. loose arms kind of so he's not doing the small frame on the bottom he's doing hmm. small frame on the top Interesting. but leo hung Jae is kind of the opposite <laughs> yeah right leo hung Jae does a small frame on the bottom and a large frame on the His top arms
1: are sticking super far right? out yeah. and so it's
0: you know it's just a kind of but i i also think that that just has to do with the individual more than the style because Absolutely. nobody really does it exactly the way anyone else does it. And, you know, it's, it's just sort of, um, that's, that's how new styles get created. I mean, it, it's gotten to the point where there are people now who refer to Chen Man Ching's form as the Chen Man Ching style mm-hmm. and stopped calling it the Yang style because it is different enough that you can make an argument that it's not the same thing, you know? And, yeah so i think most of that is pointless personally i think it, the, the best form is the that's one you, the, yeah. you know, the best form is the one that you practice right i mean if sure. you have a form that you like and it's the one right. that gets you out of bed and want you want to do it that's the right that's form. the
1: one you best be doing <laughs> and,
0: you know like exactly because i think it really comes down to you can put any of you can put anything into any form. and Well, so, the Tai Chi
1: classics work for all the systems.
0: Yeah. I mean, That's Bawa it. says that over and over about yeah. how, you know, the, 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 the outside shape doesn't matter. Bruce says it too. The outside form doesn't matter. Tai Chi is Tai Chi. And mm-hmm. if you follow the principles, whether you're doing right. Yang or Chen or Wu, right. it's Tai Chi. If you're not following the principles, you're it's not doing not Tai, tai Chi. Chi no matter what you call
1: right. it. Right. And it could be something great, but it ain't Tai Chi so uh the next thing i was gonna write here uh oh well just to mention um he emphasizes that this uh wu jian had more of the old knowledge of fighting applications as opposed to yang cheng fu's form which is taught more for health or whatever um you know i don't know like you said you have done a ton of yang and that's mostly what i've done and some, of, none of the teachers i trained with were knowledgeable about fighting very much so I guess the most applications I have done would be with like you and Kumar. I think in terms of, I mean, I,
0: yeah, I don't uh, know. I I think some of that is that the Wu style didn't spread as far in some ways, so hmm. that the part right. a was easier to keep it intact. Right, like Make hippies in America
1: is... were primarily doing Yang style, and that's that's how I first ran across it. Right, right. I mean, it's the big, most yeah. of what there is. I'm thinking of one where like you were supposed to push the person but you didn't just get to push them you had two people holding your knees and someone else on your tailbone to like make sure you were sure the right way you know he always loves to do that because like and I think it's genius like it's really important to have someone physically help you find the right position you know
0: feedback mechanism feedback
1: yes that's and that's the genius of fighting applications
0: well, that's what I was just going to say. Is you can get you can do it two ways. Well, I guess you can do it three ways. You can do it with you know the form itself, which is probably the least effective. You can do it with hmm. an app, the form and an application. That's pretty good. And then you can do it the form, the application, and then doing trying to do the application with somebody making it so you have to do the application correctly. Right. right? So a good example is say you're doing a you know, uh, a pong to roll back kind of thing, right? That when you're just doing it as a a technique, you're not really going to be paying attention to whether or not your knees are collapsing because you're going to be worried about getting hit in the face. Right. If somebody's got their hand on your knee and then you try to block somebody's punch, you're going to notice, oh, my knee is actually collapsing when I do this Mm -hmm. technique. I mean, so again, it's just about feedback, but I think it is really why... You know his method of teaching. If you do it right, it it, it is very effective. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not quick; it doesn't right. go by fast. But you you get how to do a martial art safely is really the 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 thing of it. That um, how to apply the Gong into martial arts so you can use the Gong in a pinch, not just when you're going slow, right, or when you have. You know, somebody throws a fake ass punch at you, and you can stop, and they're not going to clobber you. You know, right? That's not fighting. That's no, that's you know,
1: but but the application
0: that. part of it. I mean, a big part of that is it's a it's a feedback mechanism, and it's a muscle memory thing, right? Like you yeah. do, even if you don't do Tai Chi as a martial art, like you're not trying to go and you know beat up King Kong. Knowing what the context of the movement is in terms of application is just a good memory, uh you know, tool, right? Like it, it's a good way of memorizing what it is you're trying to do, where your hands are supposed to be, where your body is supposed to be, and all this. So, like, you know, I mean, again, depends on what your teacher's interests are. I mean, when I was right. te- when I was learning from Bruce, his interest was primarily still martial arts. So, right. We were getting thumped around in the Tai Chi class. There wasn't a lot of this, you know, sitting around talking about, you know, energy flows and all that. I mean, there was some of that, but, you know, that was yeah. only to make you better at doing the martial stuff. It wasn't yeah. to, to.
1: I mean, his classes, the mix has maybe changed, but there's always physical mechanics, energy work, two person training, forms like fighting, the other, you know, well, there's, and a yeah, little I meditation. Mean, there's always some of everything in the process of his teaching
0: there's just nice. i like it though there's sort of i just always think of it, it's a pyramid right there's martial arts meditation and let's call Energy. it fitness or health right mm-hmm. so uh, all tai chi all martial arts use two one or two or three of those right i mean so right. which most, one's the base yeah most you know modern martial arts are health and recreation first, martial arts second, and maybe a little bit of spiritual meditation stuff third. Um, And like when I started with Bruce, that was the order of things. It was like you, you know, you did the martial arts was your primary practice and Qigong and meditation were to make you better at the primary one, right? Then the think somewhere in the mid nineties, it, it rotated and it became, you know, okay, now health is the main practice. So, you know, having a healthy body being good at Nagong is the main thing, right? Martial arts are a way of testing that thing. And then meditation is a side thing. If you choose to go down that path and then recently right. it's clicked again. And now, you know, meditation, spirituality is the focus and health is the secondary thing and then oh by the way this can also be used as a martial art which you know that's just a function of people you know getting older and having different interests you know
1: absolutely it's a natural progression i i think and tai chi is uniquely able to supply that more than a lot of martial arts i'd say
0: yeah well i mean to me that's the the cool thing about the internal martial arts is they don't you know they don't it's not written in stone which one of the way that those three things go you can right
1: you can adjust it as needed
0: (laughs) and that really accounts for a lot of the differences in how people do things i mean if you're more interested in health it's very different training than if you're doing it for martial arts or for meditation so yeah
1: yeah a little bit of everything all right well on to the taiji loon all right let's do it turning our attention to Baihua's book uncovering the secrets of internal power and tai chi chen we're on the the Taijiquan chen treatise uh in the discussion has led to this point here you should stand upright like a scale and your limbs should be flexible and round like a wagon wheel and this is a this is a tai chi statement that's been going around forever of uh, emphasizing that uprightness and uh, yet at the same time the rounded movements So he says, in order to produce the advantage of strength and controlling the distance and the timing, the body posture and movement of taking his flexion and extension as my flexion and extension must conform to the principle of leveling. So you've got to be able to very flexibly transform between empty and solid. So that's what he's calling leveling as in terms of what a scale would do, I think, is what he means.
0: Yeah, it's like... (laughs) you know leveling balance right I mean right right that's the
1: that's what they talk about scale you're talking about balancing weights in uh staying balanced while there's weight being applied basically
0: scale doesn't work if it doesn't have a stable point you know
1: right so you're going to get an advantage by using this this leveling concept So he says, when the opponent attacks, I correspondingly start partially sink my strength, not going against the opponent's strength. If I resisted the force, then that would be a double-weighted situation. And then the way of strength would stagnate and come to a halt. So basically he's saying you'd clash if you resisted their attack and you'd use both your feet kind of to push against it. Whereas he prefers when opponent attack, I sink my weight a little bit and let the opponent's strength sort of get its way and take advantage of that somehow.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, basically, it's it's you don't resist their force; you sink it, and that creates a jing, right? So, previously, he talked about how internal force needs a stimuli, right? Like, I can't use my internal power if nothing pushes on me, basically, right? I, it, there needs to be something from the outside coming in to give me something to work against. Right. Right. I can use my own strength to go out, but I can't, you know, there, there has to be some stimuli to me to use my internal strength. Right. So yeah. if you meet that thing, that's coming at you with equal and strength, you just have what's called a double weighted situation. Even if you're only meeting it with one hand, it's the it's the fact that both the double weight in this, in this context is two opponents okay yeah smashing into each other. not two feet
1: but two different people yeah so he says that every time i see people who've been practicing for many years but still can't use softening most of them expose their weakness and are controlled by others it is because they have not realized they have committed the fault of double weight yeah there you go
0: they they don't realize they're pushing when they're pushing is what Hmm. he's saying
1: so it's sort of unconscious tension and strength that you're using, rather than relying on shifting your weight and letting the opponent's force sort of pass you by, so you can set them up.
0: Yeah, this use is, their
1: force, use their extension as your extension.
0: This is the Lee versus Jing thing, right? The external strength versus internal strength. You're not trying to use your external strength; you're trying to use your internal strength. So, and to do you,
1: that, you can't clash.
0: Right. You need that. You need their energy essentially to enter your body a little bit and that's the that's the part about he says partial sinking right because i don't want to let you all the way in i don't want my arm to collapse and my body to Mm -hmm. sink and collapse and fold i just want to go down a little bit to kind of take that pressure into my legs instead of my upper body
1: so the next thing he says is the prerequisite for action is balance. If there is no balance, there's no basis for stable activity. However, balance and activity are contradictory. If you don't take initiative to disrupt the balance, you can't move on your own. For example, when we walk, we have to sway. So you can't, you you have to break your balance in order to move through space. Yeah. He says the center of gravity and the jing of stepping are on different legs. This phenomenon is called partial sinking. There is solidity and void. There is void in solidity. So he's making that point. Like you need balance, but you also have to be able to take initiative and disrupt the balance so that you can move through space and like not just be stuck in one spot. It's like one of your legs has the center of gravity and holds it in space. The other leg is the expressing the outward force or outward movement of stepping. So one leg does the stepping. The other does the rooting. Both don't root at the same time is my impression of what he's saying here.
0: So the first part where he says the, um, the prerequisite for action is balance, right? Basically that in order to move, you have to be stable, right? Because otherwise mm. you're going to plop, you're going to fall right. over, right? You're imbalanced. So, the, um, you know, basically the idea that when we walk normally, we kind of lumber, we fall essentially, because we don't have something else pushing us along, right? Mm so the only you to thing to sort of
1: throw yourself yeah, off balance and land
0: you have to use a little bit of an you know inertia or get yourself going
1: so the next paragraph he says double weight means that the center of gravity and the jing are evenly distributed this is inflexible and can only be stable in one direction in this case it is easy to be controlled by the opponent since people have only two legs if the center of gravity and strength are evenly distributed they can only support two sides Using the domination of the waste, the continuous internal connection and solidity and emptiness will provide support in all eight directions.
0: Right. So now he's giving you the other conditions for, you know, to be successful. Right. Okay. So you've got, um, you know, the dominating of the waste. Is mm. is one. So that's, that's a
1: Tai Chi obsession. The waist is the commander. They always right. say that.
0: That's the using your dan dian as the center thing mm. that he was obsessed about. Right. um The where is it?
1: Continuous uh,
0: internal connection. Contu- yeah. Continu- oh, this is my favorite. Right. Continuous internal connection. It's the phrase ji ji guan chuan. This is the string of nine pearls. Right, But the the word string and the word not right aren't in <laughs> as the,
1: we've discussed aren't in the phrase
0: <laughs> it so but for uh, some
1: reason in english it is that phrase
0: so i i've taken to using the phrase coordinated body movement mm. right all right so that's that's the gg guan chuan that's the internal connection and then the last one is this ability to go empty and false right so that's that's that once you have a connection right a a strong solid connection that you can instantaneously move it from one side to the other and that there isn't a break
1: the one thing that you can't do is evenly distribute both right you know everything into into both sides equally then you become a statue you need to continuously be in a state of change basically from empty to full and full to empty you, you never stop
0: Right, what happens to the scale when it has even weight on both sides? Mm. It stops moving, right? Mm, true. So in, in a sense, what you're always trying to achieve in this is a... a, a, a com, uh, The phrase I like is continuous motion, constant stability. Mm-hmm. It's always moving, but, but it's always constant, right? And, yeah. and, and that's where things like walking are, are kind of the main... Mm-hmm. Practice for that?
1: Absolutely. Oh um, no, it's huge. So uh he sort of we moved back to the next uh piece in the Taiji Chen loon, which which recalls what we're just talking about here. Um he says some people work very hard and practice taiji chen for several years in accordance with the requirements. In the end, the main reason for still losing to an opponent is is through his analysis of this wrong habit of double weighting. Uh is that his analysis of this wrong habit of double weighting is not thorough enough. As a result, there are still many double weights existing in within the continuous internal connection. The yin and yang complement each other. This is the way of comprehending force. To avoid this kind of mistake, we must understand that yin and yang assist each other. Although the concepts of yin and yang are relative, they are also mutually assisting. They rely on mutual support. It is not. It will not make sense if lacking or adding any aspect. Each part of the continuous internal connection in the body should be carefully analyzed, permuted, and combined according to the above-mentioned concept of yin and yang assisting each other. It is necessary to understand that the clearer the division of yin and yang, the more naturally the yin and yang will be assisted, and the more effective it will be. Mastering the above requirements is called comprehending force, a.k.a. jing.
0: The eight-force jing is another name. Yeah, yeah, I said that before. and it's right. that just continuously looking at what you're doing from a perspective of like, did I get it all? Did I feel my foot when I did that? Post? Yeah. Did I all just the different
1: of... pearls on the string have to be carefully analyzed and comprehended. And yet they're all connected and unified as one. All right. Let's uh, finish it up next time.
0: Okay, man. Talk to you soon. Hey folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Just a reminder, go over to our Patreon to hear the extended episode as well as a bonus episode. Uh, We also have interviews up there as well as exclusive content. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. Take care of yourselves and be well.